Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to today's episode of Transform Your Workplace. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Many organizations put people into leadership positions when they haven't yet prepared them. And that's why at Zenium, we've created a learning and development subscription where you get unlimited access to e-learning courses and live virtual workshops where you can get your people access to the latest and greatest information on helping them develop as a leader. Go learn more about Zenium's learning and development programs at zeniumhr.com. And there's a link in the show notes as well. All right, today's episode features Josh Merrill. Josh is the CEO and founder of Confirm. And many organizations have realized, and I know HR professionals feel this way, that performance reviews have been broken for a really long time. I think gone are the days of annual performance reviews, although a lot of organizations still do it. They're inherently subjective and there's bias involved. And so what Josh and I discuss on this podcast is utilizing data and specifically organizational network analysis for performance reviews. So Josh shares a lot about this transformative journey that he's been on of integrating this new methodology into performance evaluations. And you're going to hear a lot of great information about what he's up to at Confirm. And I think you're going to get a lot from this. So enjoy today's conversation with Josh Merrill, the CEO and founder of Confirm. Hey, Josh, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So you got a really unique background. I want to dive into Confirm, which you're the CEO and founder of. But first, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you're the chief product officer at Carta. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And how did that experience really like kind of shape the way that you knew that you wanted to run Confirm? Like, I'm sure you learned a lot in that role that probably helped you start Confirm. Yeah, gosh. Well, so to to put some context to it, so I joined Carta in 2013. I joined 10 years ago. I was the second employee, <laughs> very, very early. And I actually joined as like sort of the first product designer, which is my trade. Uh, we launched our first product seven months later and then you know, was elevated into the chief product officer role. I did that for many years, reported to Henry Ward over there, who's amazing. And um, left the company ultimately when it was maybe five or six hundred employees. So it was a that's big. That, going from being a second employee all the way to five six hundred. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, wild, wild, just roller coaster ride. There was a a ton that I learned. I'd say a lot of what I learned was around people. It was around people management. It was around talent management. Carta was one of those companies where the product market fit was so strong that like it almost subsidized us to like make every other mistake in the book. So like when it comes to talent management, which is performance management, where which is what Confirm plays in, most companies, I would say like Carta was better than most companies when it came to performance management and Carta was terrible at performance management. So I feel like with Confirm, you know, I get this chance to fix a lot of the things or build a lot of the tools that I wish that I had had when I was running product over there. I've heard that story a lot. So Carta is not in the HR space, right? It's an equity 
solution. Is that the way I understand it? You're correct. I mean, it, it borders into HR in the sense that yeah. like, you know, employees are going to get stock options, for example. Right. And then, and there's like an employee benefit component to that. Okay. Right. So in, in that experience, what was the turning point between wanting to, to found a, a confirm? Like, did you see a gap in, in the market? Like what, or did you have a philosophy about how you wanted to do this? And you're like, I can go build this. Yeah. I can kind of tell you the story back in 2017, we had actually learned about this methodology called organizational network analysis. We learned about it from one of our board members. We hired a consultant to do an ONA study of Carta. And what came out of that was surprising people, like people who were incredibly influential in the organization who really weren't on our radar. And we learned a lot. But then we sort of just, we just said like, oh, this is really interesting. And then we went back to our day jobs. And there was always this sort of idea in the back of my mind that like, if we had just taken that a little bit farther, there's so much we could have done with that data, but we didn't. And then when my co-founder and I started Confirm, we sort of pulled that idea off the shelf and said, you know, this is a really compelling way to understand what's actually happening in an organization. How far can we take this? And that's what we've done. So for people listening, so they don't have to go like click through the website and, and read the description, what does Confirm do? So we've reinvented performance reviews using organizational network analysis. And what organizational network analysis is, is uh, it's a way of understanding the way that decisions and information flow through an organization. But where the rubber sort of meets the road is that if you've ever done a performance review, you're probably used to answering a lot of questions about yourself. You're probably used to answering questions like, how did you make an impact in the last six months or 12 months? You're used to doing a lot of like self-promotion and it's anxiety inducing. But when you do a performance review using organizational network analysis, the questions that you would ask or answer are questions like, you know, Brandon, who do you go to for help and advice? Who energizes you at work? Or who are you concerned about? So it's it's a little bit like sort of flipping the performance review on its head, but it works because networks are, are the way that we actually get things done. We, we work in Slack and Teams, we have Zoom. So it's a, it's a better fit for the way things get done today. When it comes to building a HR technology from the ground up, what are some of the biggest hurdles that, that came up when you were like really designing this tool? I think one of the biggest hurdles was, I would say like kind of meeting the market where it is. Like there was some of this at play with, with Carta as well. Like I think that the younger me would have been really excited about like creating a category. Like we're, this is a category creating product. And the older me is like, no, 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 no. Like don't create categories. You know, the, the amount of education, the heavy lifting that you have to do to educate the market, you know, you want to fit into like a, a budget line item. You know, in our case, it's performance management. And so I think for us, the needle that we've had to thread is how do we create something that's actually new in performance reviews, which haven't changed at all in a hundred years, but still actually have it fit into a mental model such that like a decision can be made and we can get a budget for this and it can be rolled out and we can do the change management. That's the needle that we've had to thread at Confirm. Yeah, I mean, you're making a great point that like to create like a whole new category would be really challenging, but like taking an existing framework you know, people have been doing performance reviews forever, but it's been so broken and I'm sure you recognize that. So how did you, how did you get adoption on this when it's so different than what most people are used to? I mean, a lot of people are still filling out manual, like paper-based performance reviews. It's insanity. Oh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Performance reviews are a hundred years old. I mean, we're, when we're talking about like the, the five point like manager rating scale, like that was created by the U S military at the end of world war one. And it's still the way that we 
evaluate performance today. It's crazy. I think that getting adoption has been a function of a couple of things. One is the way that we actually get into an organization. And then the second is what's the message we actually send. So, you know, when we talk about like the way that talent sort of distributes, you know, we think about when you do a performance review, you get a bell curve of manager ratings. So we, we like to think of this idea of like the average employee. And then there's some people below average and some people above average. But the reality of how talent distributes is that it, it really follows a power law. I mean, there are a few employees in every, every organization who create disproportionate impact. And that message doesn't usually land really well with HR but it lands really well with the CEO because the CEO always knows that out of the eight people or 10 people who report to them, there are like one or two of them who are so amazing that they just wish they could clone them. Like people leaders like understand that. And that actually has been the way that we've gotten into a lot of our organizations that we're working with today. I was scouring your LinkedIn the other day and I saw this clip that you posted about Moneyball. And I don't know if you remember posting it, but it was like, yeah, for people who've watched the movie, you get the GM, Brad Pitt's character is going to the to the owner saying, I need more money for talent. And he's like, no. <laughs> and so how does that clip relate to how you think about performance management and talent development from within? Oh, gosh. You know, there, there's so many clips out of Moneyball that uh, <laughs> that I love. Do you remember what I'm talking about there, right? I do remember that one. I'll answer a, a, like a slightly different question, which is like my favorite clip from Moneyball. So there's a scene where all the scouts are, are sitting around the table and, and they're talking about kind of the draft players and, and Brad Pitt comes in and, and they're talking about one player in particular and the scouts say his numbers are really good. The scouts say, oh, you don't, you don't want him. And Brad Pitt asks, well, why not? I mean, he's, he's doing great. And they say, no, he's got an ugly girlfriend. And Brad Pitt says, well, what does that have to do with anything? And, and the scout says, well, no, ugly girlfriend means no confidence. No confidence means he's not going to be a good player. He's going to, you know, and it's like, and that's obviously a very, you know, it's an exaggerated example. But when you think about the way that we evaluate talent, we're only one step short of that. You know, all of the research says that 60% of a manager's rating is attributable to the idiosyncrasies, the bias of the manager. If you rate me, you know, meets expectations, it actually says more about you, the manager, than it does about me, the employee. And that's crazy. It's so clear that we need a new system, not just better questions or, you know, let's bring in 360s. We need actually a totally new system to understand the the impact that people are making at work and to really cut through the, the bias. Yeah, I think what's challenging about how long we've had this performance management system in place. I mean, most companies are, have been doing it the same way for a long time. And it, you think in, on the surface it's it's objective because there's there's ratings and there's data and it's a consistent process. But what's not consistent is the human being behind the supervisor creating the ratings. And that makes it very subjective to bias. How are you, how's your software or other softwares that are in this space solving that problem? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, the, the reality is like, we're, we're just human beings. Like you, you take two managers, you ask them to rate their teams and like, you're going to get a bell curve of ratings and I'm going to get a bell curve of ratings. And there is no way to know your worst performer could be better than my best performer, but we'll never know that. And what we'll end up doing is actually mashing your bell curve together with mine. And that's how we're going to decide who gets the promotions, who gets the pips. And 
you know, if you don't think that's a problem, consider that Google has 30 or 40,000 managers, right? There's so many decisions that are being made suboptimally. The way that ONA, organizational network analysis, solves for that is through sample size. So rather than relying on one opinion, my opinion as the manager, what we often see is when we ask those questions, I'll just give you one example. We just closed out a performance cycle with one of our customers. When we asked that question, who do you go to for help and advice? We found that 77 people went to the same senior engineer for help and advice. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a great employee in every way, right? right? Or you should promote him, whatever. Just happens to be a go-to resource. (laughs) Right. He is a go-to resource. And if he weren't there, those 77 people would be missing somebody who's important to them. And the power of sample size means that one of those people may go to this person all the time and one of them may only go infrequently. But when you actually add all of that up together, you get a really clear picture of who's creating impact. The analogy I kind of like to use is ever been to like a county fair and they have like a giant gumball machine and they ask people to guess how many gumballs are in it. Any one individual guess is going to be wrong. But when you actually look at the average of those guesses, the sort of the wisdom of the crowd, it's like scarily accurate to the number of gumballs in that machine. And that's a little bit of how ONA works. I read somewhere, you wrote this, I think. You said that 360 reviews need to, to die. Why'd you say that? Yeah, I think that they need to die. I do. You know, the 360 methodology, by the way, is almost as old as the performance review. We think of it as being more modern. The reality is it was created in the late 1930s. I hate to say it, by Nazi military psychologists. They realized that they could get better results if they included peer feedback as well as direct reports and managers. But in terms of a methodology, I think it can be useful in a development context, like just give me feedback, you know? Boy, where it really breaks down is when it gets used in a performance context. If you're asking people to rate other people, or you're going to use this data to make promotion decisions and things like that, that's where all the perverse incentives come in. So if I know that my advancement or my compensation is going to be determined by this process. And you ask me who I want to review me. (laughs) What kind of incentive does that create? Obviously, I'm going to want to pick, I mean, I'm clearly incentivized to pick people who will say good things. And if I don't do that, I'm disadvantaged relative to all the other people who are picking their peers. So I think it can have a place maybe from a developmental perspective. But honestly, even there, I mentioned that like that top engineer, right, 77 people went to this person for help and advice. How are you going to learn that from a 360? How are you going to capture the full impact that that person is making? I'm not a fan of 360s, as, as you might guess. Yeah. So what's the better approach? Because you want that feedback loop. Because, I mean, if I don't have awareness to a deficit or something I'm doing really good at, I, I want to be able to keep doing the, the things that I'm good at. Or if I have a gap, I want to go learn the competencies so I can improve or not make mistakes. So what's the better approach? Yeah. So the better approach is ONA. Some people are going to get a lot of feedback in ONA. Some people will get an absence of feedback in ONA. I would make the case that no signal is also signal. If you've been in an organization for especially a period of time where the people around you have grown into sources of help and advice and energy and impact, and you haven't, I would say that is a signal. And like, there is like a, a way for, you know, a 360 type process to like plug the feedback gap. But the reality of it, in my opinion, is performance reviews you know, if you're waiting for your performance review to be the thing that gives you feedback, you're already waiting too long. Performance management is like, it's two things. It's like the thing you do every day. It's like that continuous feedback, right? When I make a mistake or I do something well, I want the feedback now. I don't want to wait. But then every so often, it's really important to get a measurement 
okay, are the things that I'm doing every day actually working? Is my impact actually being felt by the people around me, my stakeholders? And that's where that ONA is so important. I want to talk a little bit about just the fact that we have, I think it was like four or five generations in the workplace. um, And now with technology advancements, like how do you use the data to help manage cross-functional teams when it could be challenging otherwise? Yeah, you know, I think where organizational network analysis really shines is in cross-functional teams because the reality is we are more connected and cross-functional than we've ever been. Like the number of touch points, and by the way, if you weren't using Slack or Teams or Zoom before the pandemic, you're using it now, now. right? (laughs) And so the opportunity that every single person has to touch somebody else in their organization, that has just exploded. But the visibility of the manager has actually gone down. When I was in college, they taught me to manage by walking around. And like, nobody has shown me how to do that on Zoom. Nope. Right? And so these two things, these two trends have sort of occurred at the same time. And that's where organizational network analysis can actually really help because it can solve the manager visibility problem, but it can also solve that understanding of what is actually happening cross-functionally. How many other people is Brandon actually working with? And they may not be people who report to me or work in my function. They could be people in parts of the organization that I will never see, but suddenly I can have that visibility through ONA. And you don't get that through manager reviews and you don't get it through 360s. So we've been in weird environments over the last couple of years. We went from like the quiet quitting and the great resignation, all that, right? Yeah. May you live in interesting times. Uh, interesting times. And, and now is no different because it's like there's a lot of uncertainty about the, the future. And so now I hear people are staying put more than they were before, which might be true just for security purposes. So I think like with a possible talent crunch... Because people aren't moving around and with all the advancements in technology, maybe there's a skills gap. So how do we do more with less, so to speak, with the current talent we have? How do we continue to use tools like Confirm to elevate our people to a whole different level so we can continue to grow as an organization? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I think there is this kind of concept of like talent hygiene, Like on some kind of a periodic basis, we should be doing an exercise to really understand who's driving impact, not just who the managers think is driving impact, but who the organization believes is driving impact and also who the organization believes is creating concern. And, you know, I'll throw out a couple of stats. When we run performance cycles using organizational network analysis, what we find on average is that in every organization, about 15% of employees will create about 50% of the impact. Wow. And about 5% of employees will create about 50% of the problems. No, so like the key is probably identifying those people right away and either elevating them or getting rid of them. That's right. And, and, and by the way, everybody knows who they are. It's leadership that's the last to know, right? The challenge is actually how do you collect those points of view and put them in the hands of people who need to actually make some decisions with that data. But what talent hygiene really means is on a periodic basis, we are understanding with really high resolution who those people are and then we're taking action, right? We're doing things to retain or to promote. We're doing things to develop or exit out. And that is just an ongoing, it is a hygiene function that, that every company should be doing. With like the rise of generative AI and other AI technology, is Confirm using AI technology and, and how do you foresee it really being involved in, in the HR space? Yeah, I mean, we, we're like insanely hooked into <laughs> chat GPT. <laughs> well, I mean, not only, so it is in our product, I'll tell you how we use it, but every employee at Confirm I mean, we just pay for their licenses to chat GPT+. Everyone should just be... Great. Do you have an enterprise version too, where it's, uh, I think there's like some special stuff about the enterprise level. 
I think we're on the the wait list for it. I don't think we actually have okay. like the enterprise version for ourselves, but we do also have it integrated into the product. So for example, you can run an engagement survey on Confirm. So you ask, maybe you have 800 employees and you ask each of them an open-ended free response question. Typically your HR team is going to spend three days, oh, yeah. morning to night. Fancy like, PowerPoint deck. That's right. And, yeah. that's right. and it turns out that the AI can do that in seconds. And so we'll take those 800 responses, we'll run it through the AI. And what's actually really cool about it is it will give us like, we have it set up so that it can give you like the top themes. It can give you, it'll give you like specific quotes that like support those themes. But what's really neat is then you can actually cut the data in ways that like your HR team wouldn't be able to do. So you could say, not just like, what's something we could do to support you over the next 12 months. But we could also say, how do engineers answer that question? Or how do level four engineers answer that question? Or how do level four engineers in San Francisco answer that question? And the AI will just immediately recalibrate all the data. It's really cool. But those are some of the ways that, that we're using AI. With the time I have left with you, I would love to hear a little bit more about how Confirm works. Uh, just so if listeners are like, oh, what is this whole thing he's talking about? With uh, Like we want to transform our performance review process and overall performance management. How does it work from either sign up as an organization and get my employees involved? Like what kind of the questions does it ask? Like you have the floor. I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, totally. Definitely. If you want to learn more, go to confirm.com. But when you start working with us, you know, we really want to be the talent partner. So we run performance cycles every day, all day. We've seen it all. And we're very used to like collecting massive amounts of data and working through it. Most of our customers will do performance cycles on a six month basis, biannual basis. Some of them even do it quarterly because it's so quick using ONA. But you know, when you do a performance cycle on Confirm, we ask four questions. We ask, who do you go to for help and advice? Who energizes or motivates you? Who do you see as an outstanding gold star contributor? And then give us a heads up who you believe needs additional support or attention. And we ask why in, in all of those cases. It's a 10 to 15 minute survey. And then you can ask other questions. You can do the self-reflections. You can do the manager ratings all on Confirm as well. But then at the end of that cycle, we will actually sit down with you. We will do some data analysis. We'll actually help you understand what your organization is trying to tell you, what actions you can take. And that really was that missing piece when we first did this at Carta. So for organizations, they would have that performance cycle. Is there any ongoing component? I think you, you were talking about engagement surveys earlier too. So is there other, are there other pieces to this that fit like on an ongoing basis, whether it's like pulse surveys, engagement surveys, anything like that? Yeah, so we're, we're a complete platform. And I would say that if you want to do performance management well, you should start by doing performance measurement well because you get what you measure. And that's ONA. So ONA is kind of at the heart of what we do. So we want to measure performance. And then what we've built around that is everything related to compensation. You know, we can do one-on-ones, we can do engagement surveys, goal setting and OKRs. So like all the things that you would expect to see in a performance management platform, but built on data. Love it. Well, Josh, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been awesome talking with you. Anything, uh, you know, last word, uh, point people to whatever you want to point them to? Yeah. Check us out at confirm.com reach out to me directly. I'm josh at confirm.com. My guest today has been Josh Merrill. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. 
Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.